President Bush, do you have any, like, hot takes and stuff on the Ukrainian conflict? And the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. Ooh. I mean, of Ukraine. Iraq, anyway. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if Kanye West still has the same opinion about you, Dubs. Let's ask him. George Bush doesn't care about black people. <laughs> I guess so. Let's get it going. System for a while, you know, there's a finite amount of memory, you can't use it for everything. We're gonna compile for half an hour. Go ahead, all of you. I'm approaching the Tyrannosaur paddock. Welcome to the Sports Antelope, episode number 100. That's right, 100. I'm your host, Danny Belts. Let go of your nuts. You heard me. Sing it, Kenny. Kenny Loggins, ladies and gentlemen. I really hope he's involved somehow in the Top Gun sequel. We just can't stop talking about why. Because it's just going to be the next greatest movie ever made. I think I've made my point there. Let go of your nuts. An interesting topic here. I think everyone will be able to latch on to. I want to talk about the angels. Not the ones up in heaven. The ones out in California. Interesting development with them and a certain player that no one's talking about, and we're pretty good about doing that. Speaking of which, Cam Ward, we have a Washington State update. That is right. That is right. I do am go- I do want to discuss what press conferences in the media look like with this administration versus the last one. And don't get all crazy. I'll be very objective. It won't be long, but I just have to touch base on this because it is just getting ridiculous. And to tie into the main point of let go of your nuts, a good old-fashioned poker story. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I think Boston Dan made the cut again. We're going to be talking about a certain football team that couldn't let go of their nuts and finally did, and it paid off. And then finally, we're going to talk about monkeys. Yes, it will all make sense. Playing with the boys, Kenny Loggins, this is what men do. Absolutely. They do self-aggrandizing podcasts in their mother's basement like I do. It's just enthralling. Tommy Bench is coming on to bat cleanup. He's going to be discussing the shooting, obviously the one in Buffalo, and he'll have some roundhouse kicks that are objective with maybe a little, say, a little karate chop of subjectivity. I'm going to leave most of the political satire, not just satire, but commentary to him. Uh, most of here out the podcast will be taking a small change, and we'll get to that too. And then, of course, Bro Exotic's going to come on here, and he has fixed the formula situation. You got got Similac? Nope, we don't. Uh, the D- Dominican Republic does somehow, but we don't. But that's okay. And Bro Exotic and the Church of Woke have found a way to supply that need. Cannot wait to hear that, right? I mean, <laughs> this should be top. I'm already calling it. It might be a top ten. Uh, he hasn't come on yet, uh, but uh, he will, and it's going to be amazing. I want to talk about these press conferences real quick. So let's just take, try to take a step back from where I stand politically, pretty solid on the right, so don't worry about that. Although a lot of things we would probably agree on with my buddies in the middle left, right, and everybody in between. Now, far left, pfft, sorry, nothing I can do for you. What about the far right? Who is the far right? Who, the Klan? How often do we see... The Ku Klux Klan. Like, where, where do we even see these guys or the white supremacists? I don't really know. Are they holding office right now? Are, are they on the federal payroll? I don't think so. But I can name you several 
that are on the federal payroll that we pay for on the far left. But anyway, the press conferences, see, the news media did a pretty good job with the Trump administration and doing their job and then 10,000 steps after that. So it was a lot of gotcha questions. I listened to hundreds of these. And say what you want about crazy ass orange, man. No one addressed the media longer in a four year span than he did. He would sit there for hours. I mean, take all these questions and they weren't even questions really. The media obviously did not like him, 98% of the media. So their questions were based on that. And then that would transition to Kaylee, his hot press secretary at the time, towards the end, who got so fed up with just the insanity, she started bringing binders with her and started literally saying, hold on one second, I'll check. You can go look at all this. And she would scroll through a binder and give a very data-filled, uh, full-punch fact answer, which, of course, they didn't like that as well. Why do you have to check the binder? Well, I mean, you start asking left-field questions. So she came with like a library at her disposal. Also, not, e- uh, not too hard on the eyes. But, you know, if you think the media is objective then just go back and watch a press conference during a time when it's hard to hard to argue right unemployment organically below four percent some would say below four and a half whatever i don't want to split hairs although that's a that's a big percentage point the economy booming the market doing well i mean you can say say what you want about the foreign policy pretty good to me and yet they were still hammering him that's fine they're kind of supposed to i have no problem with that and then now as things i mean I don't know how you really want to describe it. They're not good, right? Can we agree on that? Let's just, I'll, I'll just keep it there. So clearly you have a smorgasbord, a plethora of things you could be doing to this administration, same as you did the last when it was really good. Now it's really bad. And the cabbage ball softball questions continue, and it's just insane. And now the new press secretary, who I won't even – she's worse than Saki. And this is just going to get really bad. And the miss the miss slash disinformation panel and board that they created is now being disbanded. And this is just an example of someone actually doing their job, Peter Ducey. So let's see what he has to say. This this is very this is only thirty seconds. It's it's pretty funny. You think the board was mischaracterized? Then the disinformation board is being shut down because of disinformation. Is that what's happening here? Look, I mean the the board was put forth for a purpose, right? To make sure that we really did a, t- a, a really did address what was happening across the country when it came to disinformation. It's all. It's it's just going. It's. It's going to pause. There's been a mischaracterizations from outside, uh, outside forces, and so now what we're going to do is going to we're going to pause it and we're going to do an assessment. But the work does the work doesn't stop. We're still going to continue the work. The DHS is still going to continue the work. <laughs> so I guess it's being taken away due to myths and disinformation. I'm just going to throw them both, even though they mean different things. I'll just use them both because I'm stupid. But this just shows if you listen to some of these press conferences, you clearly can see. Not just an agenda or an angst, but it's almost like you're in a surreal, like an alternate universe to where where did all the angry hound dogs go when things were well, as opposed to where they would be now? Because if they treated this administration 20, 10%, 5%, the way they did in those press rooms now, good God. I mean, you wouldn't, it, it would be a massacre, but they won't. And that is just something to look at as objectively if I can state to you, if you are on the fence about if the media is objective, and there are people out there that still think that's the case, well, just watch these press conferences from three years ago and then, I don't know, six months ago, and then you make up your mind. But if you have an IQ of over 70, you won't have to think too long. You won't. Major League Baseball continues to cuck. 
Uh, the games are terrible. The strike zones are widening. I don't know if you're an under better. 64% now games are going over. 64% of the games now have gone under. Strikeouts are way up. Walks are way down. And it's not because the pitching is that much better. The strike zone has widened a little bit, making these games ridiculous. There's been more ejections so far now than there ever has been nearly in Major League Baseball to date. Uh, in only the, what, weeks and weeks, month and a half, two months, baseball's been running. It is not even two months, but it's just been ridiculous. Hitters are frustrated, and you're seeing a lot of this kind of go forth in baseball. These games, I like a pitcher's duel, but not when you're going to give a guy that can repaint the corners, give him another inch off the corner, and that's just not, I, I don't like, they're really making more and more of a case for me for electronical umpires behind the plate. I'm serious. I never thought I'd say that, but I'm getting to that point now where the whole, he's giving him the corner today. No, it's the, we call balls and strikes on this show most of the time. Well, baseball is balls and strikes. If the ball goes over the plate and it's in the window between, I don't know, your kneecap to right around your lower chest, it's a strike. If it doesn't, it probably is not a strike. Full stop, period. But no, we have to have Angel Hernandez parade around there like we all pay money to see him play. Yes, Angel, I paid 50 bucks to watch the Brewers play today in this beautiful stadium here to watch you, not the team. No, yeah, I, I don't care who's on the mound. I came to see you. No, I didn't. I'm putting the game on, Angel, because you're behind the plate. No, I'm turning it off because you're behind the plate. Tremendous cuck. Wow. Google Angel Hernandez if you, uh, Hernandez if you have a minute and look at some of this guy's pageantry uh, as he umpires Major League Baseball somehow. He does have pictures of some higher-up VP in Major League Baseball diddling a child in bed. That's the only way this man can still be employed. That's right. It is true. But if you take a deeper look at Major League Baseball, especially in the American League, the Angels have been kind of a story of just constant down. Here you have Mike Trout, one of the greatest players ever, who is basically, if not winning the MVP and healthy, in the running every single year. And now you have Otani, who we've never seen this quite before, a pitcher who is dominant, who can also play anywhere in the outfield, probably shortstop too, who knows, maybe even catch. He certainly can pitch. He can bat clean up third. He can lead off. He can run. He is the ultimate player. He is insane. You pair those two, those, two, those two guys together, you still can't win. You still can't figure it out. Now the Angels have figured something out. The Astros are surging in the West right now, not getting much of the press. Justin Verlander, <laughs> I don't think he found the fountain of youth. He is the fountain of youth. As he is nearly unhittable. That Lopez kid for the Marlins quietly has an ERA of around negative 18, but that's okay. We don't hear about him. Small market teams, we know how that goes anyway. The Angels have those two guys there, and they're winning. Their bullpen has gotten a lot better. They're starting pitching. Eh, Syndergaard fluctuates. They do fluctuate in their actual ERA. Their bullpen is very solid. This has been the Angels' Achilles heel. They could always hit. Uh, they could not close out games, particularly in the middle, latter, latter part of these baseball games. But a big part of what they're doing now, aside from just the two guys I mentioned, is this guy, Taylor Ward. He's batting 373. 373. Nine home runs. If he was in the National League, he'd be tied with Arnato at second. 23 RBI, and he's probably going to win a gold glove in right field. He, right now, is the best player on the Angels, aside from Owatani, because Owatani pitches, so it's kind of not fair. But if Owatani's not pitching and he's in the outfield or DHing, this guy is almost better than Mike Trout right now. And he's really young. I remember him at Fresno State, and boy, is he good at baseball. Check out Taylor Ward, not to be confused with the next Ward. We're going to be discussing Cam Ward in Washington State. Quick Cam Ward update for you. 
Not that this made big headlines, but Robert Farrell, his favorite receiver from Incarnate Word, has transferred up to Wazoo. Remember when Jared Stearns left Houston Baptist to go to Western Kentucky with Zappi? That was his guy, and they started bombing away in week one. So here we go again. Now he's got his coach, just like Zappi did over there. We talked about this. And now he's got his primary receiver, a small slot guy about buck seventy, special teams expert, catches everything, goes over the middle. He will translate just fine into the Pac-12. And this is just another piece to the puzzle that is Washington State that I think I've already figured out. So we will certainly keep you up to spec when it comes to Washington State and their first game versus Idaho. I'm chomping at the bit to see that total. If it's anything under 70, I mean, you're just going to bomb that. They're going to score 60 points. Idaho will score a couple, two, three times, but it's just going to be easy money. Then they go to Wisconsin next week. They'll be undervalued maybe, and then we'll see what happens over there. And we'll cross that bridge when we see the water. But let's get to let go of your nuts. What the hell does that mean, Belts? I'm glad you asked. But instead of going through the normal of what I typically do, we're going to kind of reverse engineer it. And before I get into the reverse engineering of this particular show, I do want to say, two days ago, I was in my office early in the morning, about 4, 4.30 a.m. now. It's typically when it gets cracking for me. I just I have to get out. Things have changed, but for the good. And I do a lot of praying now. I'm really getting closer to God. And I know, you go, oh, you're going to preach. No, I'm not preaching. I'll never preach on here. I'll never be like my dad. This show is still going to be predicated around sports gambling. Pretty sure God doesn't like that. And I have a poker story every other day. Pretty sure he doesn't like that. But he might like what I do with the money. Maybe, maybe not. I don't go to the arcade. I do, I'll say this, is I do give some money to the kingdom of God, where I know exactly where it's going. It's going to India to help support a very needed mission that my dad has been supporting for decades. That was free. But important you know that because while I was praying, trying to get back in touch with some things, and I have just come such a long way in the last few months, and I'm not some transitional Christian that's like, I see the light. It's not the case. There are some things that are going to change with me. You'll see over here. I could certainly dress up the language, not just on the show, but in everyday life. But that aside, just my attitude, and I've always known Yes, I am talented. I know that. And that, that's not before you roll your eyes. I, I'm saying as the, as the show grows and everything, this is unique and I'm good in this spot. I know that. But I've never known, and I rarely give myself a compliment there, but what I, what I mean is that I rarely knew what to do with it. We talk about the what, the who, the why all the time on this show, the how, but I never knew why. And, and I really never knew the what, as in what are you going to do now? Even last week when I talked about traps, I was cut a little short. And I didn't do a lot of things. So here's my point before we get cracking, is I have revamped the way that I prep. I've rehearsed more to have these transitions more seamless. If you're taking the time to listen, then I damn well will take the time to make this better on my end, operationally and aesthetically. And on top of that, you can say what you want. I'll just say it. I mean, I'm pretty sure I heard the Lord. And he didn't tell me to go sell my house and go move to Mexico to be a missionary. What I heard or what maybe I didn't hear. Why do you believe is between me and the Almighty. I believe I did hear him and I understand a lot more now of what I'm supposed to do with this walk of life I have now. Not just with my friends, with the drunk neighbor or with Tommy Bench or with Bro Exotic or my immediate family or my wife, my kid, all of that aside. Now I think I know what to do on a micro level with this show. And the only thing that can happen is it gets better. And you will see this and after this episode, you will be hard pressed to not Reach out and touch a brother and tell someone about the Sports Antidote. And before we get cracking, speaking of, reach out and touch a brother. Tell somebody about the Sports Antidote today. Follow us on Instagram at the Sports Antidote 
A bro exotic will cuck you. He owes me a favor. I'm getting him back into the church of woke. I'm getting him back into good favor with the woke pope. We'll get to that in a bit. So I'm playing some poker, right? Oh, here we go. No, but this is an interesting one, and it means a lot to me, and I want you to pay attention because I feel you'll be able to take something out of this as we're going to get into poker, sports, monkeys in Africa somehow, and then getting or letting go of your nuts. Speaking of nuts, what are you saying? Belts got the best hand in poker? No, not hardly ever. And I don't need it. And you really rarely see that anyway. But a long time ago, ah, you know what? I'll save the Boston Dan kick for about a minute. Anyway, I walk into this poker room and I'm playing poker at this table where I, over the course of about an hour, two hours, I had just completely wrecked this table. So I am rolling uh, in the two hours there, I raised, I three bet to four bet 13 times and won every single hand. Uh, this is going to be another major winning session for me. And what I did was, I mean, I've, I've told you how I play now. The, we'll call them the dark belts. The dark belts was there. Boy, he was on point many a times. Didn't have to show my cards mostly. I'm taking down pots. We're not seeing rivers. I don't want to see a river. The, 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 I really don't. The, the, the more cards come out, the worse chance is for me, I feel. If you can take down a pot now for 60 bucks, just take it down. What's better, winning 60 bucks or losing your nut because somebody caught the two of spades? I don't know. I'd rather just win the 60, right? So sitting down, taking over this table, full professional mode, basically a suit, glasses on, polished, nice haircut, playing the part. When I raise, right, this raise is for you. Look, I don't say that, but right at him, everything thinking cerebral, right? Everything processed, everything deliberate. All of these things were happening, and it was a good run for me. So this kid sat down in between the first and second hour. He was young, probably in his mid-20s, and he was very anxious. You could already tell he was a little anxious. And within about 20 minutes, I'm watching him. He's sitting right next to me, right next to me. He is sitting to my right. I am to his left. And in between the times he played, I could see he was a very good player. He may have even been better than me. And that's not, he may have been better than me. But typically, I'm the best player at the table. I'm just going to tell you that. Quite often, I'm not. And I know that. Doesn't mean I'm going to run away from guys that are better than me. It just means that I know what I'm looking for. And this kid had a lot of the things I would target for. Okay, I need to watch out for this kid. Because he knows what he's doing. He knows how to play position. He knows how to come after that button from the cutoff position and the hijack position. He understands how to play this game. He's very, he understands reads. I saw him make a huge hero call, nailed somebody early on. And I saw a text message on his phone. Him and I hadn't squared up yet. And the text message, and I, again, I don't care if you don't believe me. I don't have time to care at this point. I hope you do. But if you don't, whatever. And I saw his phone. And this would explain his anxiety because this said, the text read, and I saw it clear as day, I need this tomorrow. And excuse me, I need that tomorrow. Now, what is that? Could that be a haircut? Could that be, I need you to babysit? Could it be, I need you to come kill my wife? It could be, I don't know. Could be a lot of these things, right? But what it probably was, I need that money. So now I have a good player, but he's an anxious player because I know, and I'm almost positive, that he is playing with scared money. There is not a worse seat in the house than to the right of me with scared money. Let me just tell you, in the words of Terry Tate, what do you think about that? Office linebacker. Terry Tate. 
Amazing. For you youngins out there, go, go Google Terry Tate, office linebacker. About 20 years ago, uh, he was popping. Anyway, uh, Felcher and Sons, what a great company. How can I not invest in them? But my point is that he's in for a long day because now I'm going to push you over. And if I know that you don't have a finite amount of money like some people do that sit down, I'm going to play you a lot differently and I'm play you, I will. You may suck out a couple times, you may pop a few cards, but in this marathon, I'm going to trash you. Uh, very methodically, uh, deliberately, and often. And we get into a hand. And this is why, I, this is the first of the couple stories before the, the main course. And this hand was very interesting. So I'm on the button, okay? I'm on the dealer button. He's to the right of me. So he's in the cutoff position. And there was a raise earlier on the board. So you have your one bet, your two bet, right? That's the blinds. Here comes the three bet, the initial raise from across the table. It gets around to him. He's very cerebral. He's thinking. And I'm looking at him. And he raises. I haven't checked my cards yet. I checked my cards. Pocket kings. Cowboys on the button. Someone's just four bet into me. I get out of bed for this. You don't call here unless you want to set a trap. But I'm not really into that. So I'm coming over the top. Now you could do the all-in thing. You really can't go wrong with that. That was over 100 bucks in the pot. That's not bad, right? But I actually just wanted to play with this guy. And, but Dark Belts is like, uh, I'm like, yeah, I know. This would be fun. So I raise. Now you have a five bet. So you have a raise, a re-raise, and then a re-re-raise. You rarely see this. A five bet typically is the, I had enough. I've had enough all in. And this was not it. I just doubled what he did. That got the other guy out of the way. And now we're heads up. And again, he's sitting right next to me. It gets around to him and he starts to think. He starts to think. And I know what he's thinking. Do I push all in or do I call? He's not going to fold, of course. He does have a premium hand. I knew that. How premium, I don't know. But it certainly is to the variety of, it's not aces. If it was, well, it could have been because he's thinking. He could have aces. If he comes over the top of me here, well, that's a possibility. I don't think he's the type to do that with ace king, but it doesn't matter. To keep this as kindergarten poker as possible, I'll just tell you. And to keep things moving. So he thinks for a long time. And Dark Belts and I are kind of, I'm just staring at, I'm looking over at him and I'm staring down and it just hits me. Queens. Queens. <laughs> and he's, we're like, he's like, yeah, I think so. I'm like, yeah, Queens. It's the perfect quandary because I've represented a monster hand out five bet. This kid's been sitting here long enough to know I am not a run-of-the-mill player. I am advanced ahead of everyone at this table and have been methodically mashing people. I hadn't even lost a hand that I engaged with out of the blinds, because I don't call hardly. I'm going to come in and play. I raise. And I know what he's thinking, and he calls begrudgingly. Flop, two, two, five. A great flop for queens, an even better flop for kings. He does not have pocket aces. Now, he could. That would be a great trap, because he would have trapped me had it. I'm not letting go of this. He's probably not letting go of that. I saw this once on a stream I follow on YouTube, poker stream. Big cash game out there in the Hustle Club out there in California. Not a, not a strip club, but a, a poker club. And it's really cool. And then one of the stars there did to, this, did to this one guy what I did to this kid. And I'll tell you why I did it. As I just have a change of position on things now. Not that I'm not going to be ruthless on a poker table. Of course I am. That's why I'm there, to take your money. But I still love the, 
thrill of the competition, and this is what I really get out of bed for. Now we're in a game of wits now, right? The board's not helping anybody. There's no flush. There's no straight. You do not have ace three. You know, there's no connect. There's nothing. Um, you don't have fives. You don't have pocket twos, whatever. You have a big hand. So do I. Who's is bigger, right? So he bets the pot, and I, after about a minute, I'm thinking all in. I'm thinking, I don't know, and I raise. And that's not an all-in. I double what he did. This is pot's getting very big. And he thinks for a while, and he's thinking, and it's killing him. It's killing him, and I know what he's thinking. Does he have aces or kings? Because that's the only thing that can beat me right now. I know he does not have ace-king. I know he does not have ace-queen. I'm pretty sure he doesn't have jacks. Does he five bet with jacks? Probably not. Certainly not tens. He's thinking he's got aces or kings. And the dark belts is over here like, well, this is fun. I'm like, yeah, I know. And he goes, he's going he's gonna to call you. And if he calls this, well, I mean, at that point, he would be all in. I should have just put him all in, but I didn't. He, if he called this, now he'd only have about 40% of his initial stack when he got into this hand. And something just came over me. And he, Dark Belt says, don't do, don't do, don't do it. I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I saw it once on this stream and it was pretty cool. I'm going to do it. Don't do it. I'm going to do it. I look at this kid right in his eyes. I could see his soul. He looks at me and this is scared money. And I know it. And I just tell him, I got it. I got it. I told him twice. Now the table starts to laugh. The dealer, who the hell does this? I'm allowed to do this. I didn't say what I had, what I, I can say what I don't have. I just said, I got it. And that, that could be anything, right? And he knows it. He knows it. He knows if he calls, he's drawing to a queen. 5% or less at best 5%. Assuming there's two queens in that deck. And one hasn't been thrown in the muck or fold pre-flop. And he stares at me for about a minute, and I'm staring at him. It was awesome. All right, staring in the eyes of a man. It sounds like a Top Gun theme. It is. It's awesome. <laughs> and he just can't let it go. And then I look at him, and I just say, just let it go. Your queens ain't going to work here, man. And this huge wave of anxiety left him. As he knows, I know what you have. And I don't care if you don't believe me. I, I'm really good at this now. Especially with the dark half over here. It's the cheat code. But I know what he knows. I know what you have. And he knows that I don't have pocket sixes, pal. I got something big. He knows that. And I know he would know that. And he folds. I show him the kings. I would never do that. But it was time for me to go anyway. Uh, I had something I had to do. I'd been there for a bit. And it was almost like he won. Because whatever he had left in front of him, he could still make something happen with that. So uh, we didn't even say anything. I think he said, nice hand. And I'm getting my affairs in order, you know, keys, wallet, phone. And then I have an idea. And <laughs> Dark Belt says, do not do this. I'm like, I'm going to do it. And he's don't. What? Why did you come here? What are you doing? I'm like, I'm doing it. So I look at him, and I, I don't say a word, okay? 
But I just get right in his ear. And I said, scared money don't make money, kid. But today's your lucky day. Make me proud. Quote, end quote. Scared money ain't going to make no money. It never has. It never will. Whether you're investing in the market, in sports, in poker, I don't care. If you're worried about it, don't do it. And he knew that was scared money that he was messing with, and I knew it too. He didn't know what I was doing yet. I got my stuff and I left. And the dealer says, excuse me, sir, are you forgetting something? I said, oh, shit, I got off. I'm sorry, my bad. So I come back to the table. I was still, what, two feet away. I grab 10 bucks out that pot, throw it to her, as in insinuating I forgot to tip you, and then I walk away. So she's looking at me. He's looking at me, and I was like, that's his pot. And I looked at him again and said, make me proud, man. He reminds me of me. I know what it's like to play poker in a spot where you can't lose. I know what it's like to not be able to let go, first of all, of many. But I know what it's like to be that kid. And I'm hoping he took that money and either walked. It did put a chink, a dink. Well, I just say chink. A chunk <laughs> out of what I would have walked with. It's not a charity podcast. I didn't feel much better after I did it, but it just felt right. I'll never do that again. The situation would have to be verbatim, and I don't see that happening. But this is a clear instance of being able to let go of your nuts. He knew he was beat. And when I mean nuts, I don't mean testicles. And like I said, we're going backwards, so I'm getting to it. And it's not just in poker. It's in football. The New Orleans Saints, for the longest time under Sean Payton, had the greatest offense that the NFL had ever seen. The Saints for a decade, led the NFL in points, first downs, and yards. It was just an ongoing thing. No one ever woke up and said, oh, sick, we get the Saints. No, you know it's coming. An offensive machine with a Hall of Fame quarterback and one of the best offensive-minded coaches of all time. Not going to get into all Peyton's flaws. We're going to talk about one big one because he could not let go of his nuts. He couldn't. And I'll tell you exactly when and where this happened. We've alluded to this before. We'd like to circle back to things, but unlike the previous press secretary, we actually will when we say we'll circle back. So it was 2017, and the Saints were kind of floundering in the beginning, and you could immediately tell Breeze's arm was being compromised. Safeties are cheating constantly. The man can no longer stretch the field. He's as accurate as they come. He's probably the most accurate quarterback ever, but defenses had adjusted and it's getting more difficult for the Saints to execute their company strategy because their big thing's stretching the field. The rumor that Drew Brees never threw it down the field is hysterical. Oh, yeah, you just throw for 18 billion yards by check down charlieing? Yeah, no, you don't. He's never thrown a ball over 50 yards. I went to YouTube, and uh, that, was defu- that was out in seconds. There's two or three flea flickers. He th- just a flea flicker he would throw to Devery Henderson, two, four, uh, not three-fourths of the field, but 60, 55, 60 yards. Whatever. But anyway... This isn't a Drew Brees apologist podcast either because he's a douche. (laughs) Anyone will tell you that. But the Saints had this huge quandary where they're a passing team and Peyton hated to run the football, even with guys like Chris Ivory. And we drafted Mark Ingram. We traded up for Mark Ingram. You traded up for a running back that you don't want to use. This is ridiculous. Running back in the first round and you throw it 50 times? What, is he a good blocker? I mean, he was. Great blocker. Great player. We still have him. I love him. But this was, it made no sense. And we have Alvin Kamara. You traded up for him in the third round. You don't really want to give him the ball and stuff. He looks to be like he's really good. I don't know. It's just me. I'm, I'm not an NFL strategist. But, man, when you give Kamara the ball, he seems to be pretty good and stuff and scores. 
like a lot. So with that duo, the Saints are still throwing the ball all over the place, and the Saints had come to a roadblock because the game before that, Breeze had missed so many deep throws so far off. It was apparent the playbook had to be changed, and I even told a drunk neighbor, if they don't change their game plan versus Buffalo this, this week, this is going to be an L for the year. Because the NFL adjusts faster than... Remember the Wildcat with Ronnie Brown? How, how long did that work? This is going to change the game. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. Taysom Hill, you <laughs> Lamar Jackson, can't be... <laughs> the game catches up quick. So, in this particular case, the Saints go play the Bills at Buffalo. We have not had much luck out there historically. And they come out throwing again, and here we go again. Here we... <laughs> Three and outs, you get behind, now you have to throw more. They know you're going to throw it. They're going to pin their ears back. This is just, I'm so sick of this movie, but the Saints had such good talent to get away with it, but that talent was starting to dissipate. Now you're going to actually have to really coach Sean. And, and at this point in this game, the game was really close until finally it just happened. They just started to run the football. And first down, run, second down, run. Then they really started to run the football. Then they broke an NFL record. They ran it 26 straight times. They beat the Bills by 40, outscoring them by 28 in the second half and running for about 300-something yards in only 60% of the game. I remember exactly what happened. Breeze missed another stupid throw to Brandon Cooks that he couldn't make because he didn't have the arm strength. The defense knows that. They cheat, got beat, but the problem is even if you cheat and get beat, Breeze on to throw you because he's old. So at this point, what are you going to do, pal? So they started running it. Things started working. And in that game, it really started working. But then they would revert back to this later on in the year. And then it's like, man, you let go of your nuts for one second, Sean. But you got back to it because we just don't know how to do that. We just don't. And we'll get to why. But Sean Payton's a classic example of this. You go forward to the next year, 2018. This is the year the Saints made the run, the NFC Championship. There was a huge game. They played versus the Ravens. We had never beat the Ravens. Sean Payton is really good friends with Harbaugh. Tight. Like, they're tight. He's the reason we got Will Lutz, the kicker. But we had never beat them. They even own us in the preseason. They hammer the Saints. Route us. Consistently. And in this game, the Saints went back to this strategy. They had been kind of tinkering with it in 18, but they went back to it. Only because Breeze had a bad game. It's like... It's like acting good and not drinking for a couple weeks in front of your wife because she found you drunk and naked in the backyard. I'm not saying I did that. But at the same time, I mean, yeah, that sounds right. We'll get back to it. We're gonna, I'm not going to do that again, sweetie. We'll get back to running the football. And then that's exactly what happened. So the Saints start running the football. They play a hard-nosed game with, with, the, with the Ravens, one of the hardest-nosed teams in the NFL, on the road, in primetime TV, in shitty weather. All the things the Saints do not thrive in, Ravens, weather, all these things. And they win the game. Now they won it because the Ravens scored a last-second touchdown, and then the best kicker of all times, Tucker, missed the extra point. <laughs> and the Saints won 24-23. But even if, and the Saints were a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Can you believe that? <laughs> That's insane. That's how good the Saints were that year. They were favored in... In Baltimore, but the the thing is that they got back to running that they could change their game. Sean Payton would let go of his nuts and not his sack, not his ball sack, the nuts in his hand that we'll get into that you just have to drop if you want to get to where you need to be. But he wouldn't do it. It was insane. And finally they did. And because he did that, the Saints extended this winning pattern of winning the West, or the West, it's been a while, winning the NFC South, winning 12 to 13, 11, 12, 13 games, even getting the bye once or twice there. 
Now, they never made it happen in the Super Bowl, but they were able to basically, instead of rebuilding and doing all this stuff, by the way, we'll talk about the Saints next week, 40-1 to right now. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Eight and a half wins, over under eight and a half. They won nine last year with 16 quarterbacks. One of them featured Ian Book and 16 guys that were working at Wendy's because they wouldn't move the game for COVID protocol. But anyway, so they, they put your house on that. They won nine games last year with five quarterbacks. Uh, and one of them, a Mormon running back who can't throw the f- Anyway, Saints defense is going to be ridiculous. But they were able to kind of put it all back together and keep, keep on winning as less what other teams do, get a new quarterback, revert to this, revert to that. They changed their identity, let go of their nuts, and they were a winning football team for the years after, even last year, somehow. I don't know. But letting go of your nuts is very important. And it's something that man, man in particular, not women, men, have struggled with since the beginning of time. And in order to understand what I just said here, you're going to have to understand this. In the 1980s, uh, zoo, zoo curation was booming. Zoos were huge. They still are. By the way, I love zoos. Ups and downs, pros and cons. If you're a herbivore in a zoo, like a zebra, this is club fed for you. The club med, or both. Either way, you're loving it. You're a herbivore. You have an unlimited amount of grass to eat and hay, or whatever they eat. And you don't have to get ripped apart by a lion and watch him also digest your offspring. That's pretty cool, right? If you're a zebra or a gazelle, you are a huge fan of the zoo. If you're a lion in the zoo, maybe not because you're a hunter. You don't want to get fed. You want to go eat. I understand, but it's important for youth to understand what happens at aquariums and in zoos for a lot of reasons. You don't have to be a a zoologist, but it's good to know what's going on around you in nature, right? So with this zoos, they started bringing in more and more animals, but the way they were doing it was not working. It was not kosher. It was cruel and unusual, and a lot of the ways it was killing, particularly the monkeys, these primates. So they would shoot these monkeys with a trank because they were too lazy and stupid to figure out a better way to do this. Sometimes the monkeys fell onto the trampoline or tarp. Sometimes they didn't. Sometimes they died. Most of the time they were injured. And if you're an injured monkey, I doubt that out there, wherever you may be in Africa, they're going to take you to go get dressed up by the monkey doctor. I, I, I just don't think it happened. You're probably going to die. If, uh, injuries and the, and, and the animal kingdom do not do well together. They never have and they never will. So the, the quandary here was, is okay, well, there's a big need for procurement as zoos grow, but and rightfully so. You can't just do whatever you want to these animals to bring them in. So they had to come up with some sort of way to trap them uh, without hurting them. You know, this thing had to be kosher on all ends. So on all ends. So this one guy came up with this idea. I saw a picture of it. They got some sort of tubing. Uh, it's almost like a Chinese finger trap, so to speak. You could get your arm into this, like uh, we'll call it like a heavy vase, but you can't get it out with a closed fist. The only way you could get it out is if your hand was basically crunched together and there was nothing in it. So they found that these monkeys really like these nuts, right? So they got these nuts, they weighted down the bottom of these containers, vases, whatever you want to call them, the traps, and they started working. The monkeys would reach in, grab the nuts, clench their fist, pull their fist up, but couldn't get their hand out of the trap. Oh, I see where you're going, do you? I don't think you do. And this is insane. Now, I'm not a behavioral animal therapist. There is such a thing. 
I'm not a zoologist or some sort of animal psychologist, but I can tell you that that form of primate or whatever form of primate, aren't humans primates too? They have a capacity of learning so far higher than of any other animal. It's not even close. It's like you have me and then like Bobby Fischer, right? It's just crazy. Like the dolphin, bottlenose dolphin, boom, bottle, you know, like these, these there's been videos of, of some of the apes like hungry. So one ape will come over to him and be like, yo dog, you need some food? And the other one's like, yeah. So I'll hand him like two pieces of fruit and he'll eat it. And then when the other dude gets his paycheck, you know, he comes back from the mill, he gets paid, goes to the bank, cashes it, he goes to the fruit stand in the tree and comes back and gives the other dude three pieces of fruit. So it looks like the other dude got a little vig, a little interest. So these guys certainly, if they understand the capacity to give, give back, borrow, return, they certainly understand opening your hand to release yourself from this trap is the difference between going back up in the tree, playing with your friends, or going across to another continent and being in a cage, basically. So... Although, I'm back and forth on monkeys in captivity, but, you know, it's good to learn about them and they treat them really well. Again, they don't have to worry about being killed and they get all the food. But the point is that they got these monkeys. They could get so close to them, so close, they didn't even have to shoot them with a tranquilizer gun. They could just prick them right in the arm. (laughs) And they knew how to get out, but they wouldn't. They wouldn't. All they had to do was let go of their nuts. Let go. Just let it go. You let go of that poker hand. Sean Payton had to let go of this ridiculous air raid offense with the senior citizen quarterback and no receiving core. <laughs> sometimes you have to. Sometimes you know you do. Sometimes you don't. I could use an easy reference of myself. Letting go drinking is not nearly what you think I needed to let go. And I struggle with some of this stuff. And I just let go something huge two days ago. And I felt that wave come over me when I was praying. And, and, and it's a real thing. And whether or not it's in my head or not, I believe it. So it doesn't matter what you believe in that case, right? That's what I believe because I was one that experienced it. I finally let go of something that has nothing to do with alcohol. And it's not sports gambling. It's not a tangible thing. It's a problem. It's these things we keep inside us. You know, greed has killed mankind. And greed was killing these monkeys, kind of. Or at least they're never going to see their family and friends again unless they get caught too. Can you imagine how scary this is? These smart animals, all right, have the same tendencies to even humans have sex for pleasure, not just procreation, all these things these these animals do. And they knew. That's the scary part. Isn't that they wouldn't let go, it's that they knew all they had to do was let go, and they still didn't. I mean, a drinking pro... What? Drinking pro... I mean, yeah, it's tough to get rid of when you smoke. It's tough to get rid of if you're a drug addict. It's tough to get rid of if you're addicted to porn or addicted to anything, the gym or whatever. It's tough to let things go. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you have to. And sometimes you know you have to or you're going to die. You still don't. Or you'll get fired. Or you'll lose this poker hand. Or you won't be with the New Orleans Saints anymore. Fill in the blank. You know, the Bible quotes many things, right? It's one of the most quoted books. It's also the most misquoted book. Here's probably one that hits everybody. 1 Timothy 6.10. Here's what it doesn't say. The money is the root of all evil. It does not say that. You think God wants you to be broke? If there is a God, and I believe there is, he probably wants you to make prudent financial investments. Not just so you can support yourself and your family and your offspring after you die, right? Leave some for them. Maybe so you can give the kingdom of God a little dough. I don't know. That's what I'd think if I was God. Maybe something like that. I wouldn't want you to be living in a van down by the river in Tent City in New Orleans. 
What kind of God would that be like? Right? I don't even think if, 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 if I'm wrong, Christianity's out and, you, and, and being a Muslim's in, I don't think Allah and Muhammad wants you to be broke. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. See, greed, that's what gets us. These monkeys are greedy. They won't let go of these stupid nuts. They're everywhere. They're everywhere, man. And they know that. They don't even care. The nuts aren't any better in the trap than out of the trap. They just got a bunch of them and put them in one spot. It doesn't make it taste any better. It just means you can get more. Oh, more. Yes. Envy runs hand in hand with greed. Same thing. Why do you think Cain killed Abel up there in old Genesis? What do you think? Abel came back with the new LeBrons. He's like, yo, son, last pair. In your face. And then Cain's like, not on my watch. You think that's what happened? No. He was getting more run from God in the beginning. Better sacrifices. He got more run. So he... The brother killed his ass, right? Envy, right? Greed. These things, these have been ruining. There's never been a war that's been fought without these three things. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Land, power, money. One of the two, two of the three, all the above. Well, Belts, there's the Vietnam. Every single war. What about the Christians? Every single war. Don't get smart on my time. Read a book and don't tell me my business. And that's an original thought for me. I've never heard anyone say that. And I'm sure someone has and they cuck. But for me, letting go of alcohol, that's one thing. That's not hard for me. It wasn't. I'm way better now. Things are going great. It's better. But there's other things you have to let go. You can't see the intangible things. And like pride falls right into there with greed and envy. Sean Payton's pride. You know, this kid in the poker table, you don't think he had pride? Of course he did. He didn't want anybody to know he was broke. I might have changed his life. Or maybe he took that money and went to the strip club. I don't care. It's his money. But all these monkeys had to do was let go of the nuts, but they couldn't. And again, they knew that's all they had to do, and they didn't. So don't tell me there may be something you have. Oh, not me. I don't have to let go of anything. I'm good. I should probably let go of gambling, but I'm good at it, and I like it. I should probably let go of a lot of things, <laughs> but I'm not. But the things that I really have to, I have. So... It is important that you do that inventory too. And not the AA inventory. I just mean check yourself, man. What can you just get rid of? Afford to get rid of that is not benefiting you or the people around you. We all have something. You can figure what that you can figure that out on your own, I'm sure. I figured it out for me. Came in my office, on my knees praying to the God of my choice, getting my head straight for the day. And he came a ringing. That's right. We don't really do prayers on this show, and I'm not, but here's a quick one. Lord, thanks for Tommy Bench and Bro Exotic, and continue to give me the strength to fulfill these idiots that listen to this show with the knowledge they need to get by every day, because what would they do without me, God? Your humble servant, Danny Belts. And speaking of Bro Exotic, has anybody seen Bro Exotic? Are you a white person who wants a lot of credit for helping to create racial equality while you do nothing to help create racial equality? If so, that means you want to be a woke white person. So listen up, because I'm going to give you your PhD in wokeology. Well, if you just thought the day couldn't get any better, joins the sports standard out. How you doing today, bro? Uh, what's going on, dude? Bro Exotic, uh, tentative vice pope, uh, possible woke monk of Cal Church of Woke. Uh, what's going on, dude? Sick. Uh, nothing. Uh, just over here. Kind of going through the news here. I see baby formula shortage, kind of the thing right now. And lo and behold, the church woke, of course, has come up with some sort of solution. So before you even say anything, 
I can already I'm respect for the absolute level of absurdity I'm about to. Are you sitting down? I'm strapped in my stick, so I'm gonna go ahead and just pass the sticks to you, and interrupt or intervene if necessary. All right, yeah, dude. Uh, so we're just um, we're trying to help out the shortage here, man. It's it's really uh, it's a it's a real shame. Uh, what we're seeing yes. here with this tragedy, this tragedy with uh, the shortage in baby formula, and um, as we know, uh, you always try to make a tragedy in something good, right? Uh, didn't wasn't that uh, or some, somewhere along those lines? What was that? Yeah, don't, don't let don't a, want to uh, waste it. Don't let a tragedy go to waste. I believe that's right. That's right, dude. And right. That's what we try not to do here, man. At Cal, we're all about turning uh finding silver linings into tragedies, you know, and in, in those so tragedies. This is, this is not going how I thought. This actually sounds like something good. So you're bringing something good to the forefront. Yeah. good. So we've, yeah. uh, you know, we quickly developed a, a super woke, super progressive, uh, non-binary product uh, called Conformula. Uh, so what Conformula okay. does is... Okay, let's, let's just, uh, you know, let's just tap the brakes here. Actually, let's just full step. So I guess I set myself up for this thinking there was somehow that this could be semi-normal. But then again, me even being sober right now, I must be drunk. I heard you say conformula. Did I hear that yeah. correctly? That's right, dude. Yeah. So, uh, Cal, uh, uh, come up with a uh, new solution for uh, baby formula. Uh, <laughs> super woke, uh, super progressive, <laughs> completely non-binary, uh, and that is uh, that is conformula. Uh, what okay. conformula does? Uh, I mean, basically, it, it gives your baby the foundation of uh, woke nutrients that they need to develop into active social justice warriors um, as soon as they hit preschool. Okay, so let me just go ahead and just brand here. So Conformula, a very woke formula with non-binary nutrients and some other insanity. Um, this is interesting. Yeah, most most moms go to the store for Similac, but you know, there's not that's not there. So now we can just look for Conformula. And I have to ask, uh, you going to preschools already? Does Conformula does it react differently towards, let's say, a Caucasian baby towards as a, as a as a Opposed to like a baby of color, almost oh, it most definitely does, dude. I mean, it, it oh, kind of works the way in which uh, one would organically become woke uh, based upon their ethnicity uh, as they get older. It works the same as they do uh, once they hit preschool. You know, white kids will uh, immediately uh, be aware that they're uh, genetically racist due to the evils of their supremacist ancestors, who throughout history of uh, them kind uh, <laughs> just have done whatever they want to rape. Uh, steal and pillage from people who are different from them um and you know like children of color will become increasingly more familiar uh with their justified victimization against the police uh asian-owned convenience stores and uh the college board's uh culturally biased sat standards and um you know of course trans kids as well you know they'll instinctively know uh to start tiktok accounts and complain about their teachers misgendering of their toys you know <laughs> So, yeah, I'm not laughing at you. I don't know if I'm laughing with you, but I am laughing. I, I believe I heard you say them kind as opposed to mankind. That's yes, what we, we don't we don't promote the patriarchy. I thought you were uh, caught up to speed here. Yeah. Um, sometimes I guess I need a remedial course in in when woke. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I'm sorry. I guess I just it didn't occur to me what happened until later. I mean, you're spitfiring over here. It's like 100 miles and they're moving. So I'm having problems hitting here. Um, this is uh, absolutely outrageous, bro. Uh, but you know, is this available in stores right now, or what? I mean, 
Yeah, dude. Uh, uh, we're we're uh, actually developing our uh, our own uh, distribution website. Uh, Woke is on. Um, <laughs> that's a whole nother one. Yeah, it's a whole nother we can get into. I feel like you know I'm I'm missing something here. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. Can't quite put my finger on it. Well, I mean, I could look. I mean, let me just give you some examples here, dude. Like th- this is if if uh if conformula if you feel like it's for your child, let me just give you. Um, just a just a little bit of, uh, of of what it will do uh, for your child going forward as they hit those uh, pivotal uh, preschool years. I mean, you know, it once you're once you're on a couple years of conformula, your kid will be, I mean, massively concerned for racial uh, equity in regards to like swing times at recess, um, oh. as well as as well as like establishing like the the sandbox as a safe space for transgender transracial. And uh, children of color with a curiosity and non-binarily transitioning into a different gender or ethnicity to more uh, suit their comfort level. Uh, so it's it, it's really it's pivotal. It's it's one would say it's almost paramount. So to... yeah, it is. I, I was going to get into the equity side of this, but I guess this is what I was missing. So thank you. It's yeah, paramount. Dude. Yeah, I mean it really is, dude. If you're if you're looking for a full immersion and foundation for your kids. A uh, woke character, uh, you will find it. You'll find no greater product on the woke market than uh, than conformula. This is a foundational baby formula conformula, and I mean this is. And I'm I'm gonna uh, steer my kid away from this if you don't mind. Maybe after some test runs for uh, pansexuals. This also applies, correct? I think you may have. Oh, that just that's implied already, right? I mean, of course. That's already implied, dude. If your child was born uh pansexual, uh conformula is only gonna turn them into uh I mean, one day they might even <laughs> make the uh the likes of my ranks in the Church of Woke. I mean, if you have an already uh pansexual kid taking conformula, I never even took that into account. Uh, oh, I'm just I, almost, I almost didn't want to encourage that, dude. I might lose a job there, man. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, if you start chugging, look, uh, monk, you're gonna I be. Mean, I might start taking it myself, dude. You may want to. No, I mean, I think the president of the United States right now is currently hoarding all the similarities for himself. I mean, I, I can prove that. But I mean, if he is, I might uh, make myself a, a conformulatini this afternoon, this uh, this evening, dude. Yeah, conformitini. All, right. all right, that's good. Get a nice garnish of. Uh, um, and anyway, bro, Dada, keep us informed on this one. I'm not so sure about this venture. Very interesting yep. conformula, ladies and gentlemen, for the infants. Similac's not available. No problem. Uh, bro, I did get a request to ask you something. I feel like it's low-hanging fruit. Has the Church Awoke or yourself looked to expanding Buffalo Riot Wings into Buffalo? Ooh, that's uh, – well, I don't know, dude. probably shouldn't be talking about that. I, as you know, uh, we don't yeah. want to – Yes. Uh, invoke the wrath of the woke pope. He's always listening. Uh, might be a little too soon. Uh, we might have headquarters in Buffalo after what happened, but I'm not going to talk about it because we don't know. Uh, it's going to be a good strategic yeah. move. Uh, yeah, well, I guess we'll just keep that one off the board for now. But, you know, one of our listeners wanted to know, so I, I told him I'd ask, and I did. I'm a man of my word. Uh, bro, Zach, anything you want to close with? It's been riveting once again. Yeah, dude. Uh, no joke. Stay woke. Uh, and I'll uh, see you next week, dude. We'll see you next week, homie. All right, dude. Cheers.
Shots fired. Tommy Bent's jumping on the sports antelope uh, bench, I got to tell you. You're going to love Bro Exotic and the Church of Wokes solution to the formula shortage. I trust, trust me when I say you will be entertained minimally, at minimum, entertained. Well, if it's anything like what the Biden administration is doing, I just got a, an alert that they're going to invoke the Defense Production Act. And, uh, you know, if you've ever heard anything more Orwellian than that, I thought it was a mistake when Trump put it into play to make ventilators. Uh, I think it's a mistake anytime somebody uses it for something other than, oh, my God, the enemies are at the gates and we need to force companies to start making more bullets and bombs and tanks and airplanes. Yeah. Um, the, the government decreeing make more baby for me. Trust me, you don't think if some if some company that made. Some, you know, for, for example, say companies that make whey protein, right? We've all seen the memes like, oh, I switched my kid to whey protein. He's now super jacked, right? We, okay, we've all seen those memes on Facebook and they're funny. But say companies and ancillary businesses could easily switch over to making baby formula. You don't think they would all do it and sell and, and make a profit? If whey protein powder manufacturing facilities could all of a sudden start making formula, they would do it in a heartbeat. That's actually one of the advantages of price gouging. Everybody thinks price gouging is an awful thing. All price gouging is, is it reflects an economic reality, which is there's severely more demand and not enough supply. But we're going to get off of that and we're going to move on to some other topics. Let's move on. What you got? Buffalo. All right. The shooting in Buffalo. This is a horrific event. There, there's nothing to say other than that. And, we, and, and within hours, everybody went to their political camps uh, you heard on Megyn Kelly's podcast, she said, can we just wait two effing minutes to grieve and mourn uh, before we start making it political? I agree with that assessment. You can you can get several hours of those kind of assessments. Uh, and, and if you want to hear the, oh, it's all Republicans fault, you can find hours and hours and, and millions of gallons of spilled ink with those assessments of the situation. The interesting thing about this one is this seems to be the first one in recent memory probably since the Charleston uh, South Carolina, the shooting at the first Emanuel church in Charleston, South Carolina, where it was the, the, the shooter very clearly stated very racist intentions. It was a white person who very clearly said, I want to go kill black people. Yeah. Um, so you, you knew what was going to happen and all the usual suspects coming out and trying to tie this to anybody who's even, you know, half a step to the right of Karl Marx. The problem in this situation, again, you've heard this probably from many commentators, the guy had a 180-page manifesto, which I don't even know if I could write 180 pages about myself, which, by the way, everybody's favorite topic is himself. So let's, let's just agree on that. hundred. I mean, 180. Now, again, a lot of it, I think, was cribbed and copy and pasted from other things. But it's 180 What's, pages of him talking you know, about being – Times New Roman. 16 font triple space we all used Could to have do been, that right, right. well that and you make the periods you know if it's if the teacher says the text has to be 12 point you make the periods 13 point i mean yeah there's all, all those little tricks that that you can do to get to that nine page minimum or whatever it is uh in mr s's english class but so for once it seemed like oh my gosh this was tailor-made for the media except it turns out this guy was so confused in his political rantings and ravings he's you know left-wing on some things he thinks conservatives are corporate shills he even said he doesn't like fox news hates ben shapiro referenced him twice so it's, it's really hard to pin him down and say he's a right-wing white supremacist but of course they're doing their best to try and, and similar to what they tried to do to timothy mcveigh you know he's this ultra christian nationalist except timothy mcveigh was an atheist so 
I think they're going to fail on that front. And, and what people I think are more, I think Megyn Kelly's sentiment that she expressed captures more people's feelings of this is awful. We need to do something, but stop just demonizing people and saying, yeah, it's all the Republicans fault because it's not. And, and you're going to force people to then who, who or I think that will force people to look into it and say, okay, well, what did this go? Oh, gee. Here's snippets from his manifesto. It turns out he didn't like right wingers any more than he didn't like left wingers. Seems like um, he. All, I think mean, you mentioned Shapiro. I, there's some stuff in there. He had some uh, some pretty harsh Jewish verbiage. Oh, well. oh, some pretty much anti-Semite. Yeah. Oh yeah, some severely anti-Semitic things. So again, to paint them as like this is what standard right of center conservatives believe. No, not even close. And his whole rantings about the Great Replacement theory are ridiculous. And, and trying to lump that in with anybody who believes that we should have controls on immigration, believes in the great replacement theory and needs we need to take action. So I, I think they're just going to look silly. And a lot of normal people are going to go, all right, you know, another shooting that was bad. And now we got to hear Democrats scream about how all Republicans are racist and, and people are going to ignore it. Well, well, let's let's talk about some things. What could have prevented this? Okay, so, and this is going to upset some of our right of center listeners. Um, and, and I don't run to this as a policy prescription because I have severe concerns about the civil liberties aspect of what I'm about to say. This looks like a situation where red flag laws might have actually worked and potentially prevented this. I agree. And so I, I, I have my reservations about red flag laws because what prevents my ultra liberal sister-in-law from calling the sheriff down here, the county sheriff here in Texas and saying, my, my brother-in-law is really extreme. You, you should hear some of the things that he says on this podcast and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and, and he decides, you know, it, it, let's go get a court order and let's go confiscate Tommy Bench's guns. Except all my guns were lost in a fishing accident a few years ago. It's the strangest thing. So are mine. I just, yeah. I just upended an entire duffel bag full of, full of well, firearms. Can agree the, if the cops knock on your door, then the feds are knocking on mine, but that's all right. But anyway, keep right. Going. Right. So uh, again, the guns that I used to own that were all tragically lost in a fishing accident several years Horrible. ago. Horrible. But, but this situation, because uh, all right, for, for, for the, probably the first time that I can remember, you have a circumstance where had these laws been in effect, maybe this would have been prevented. See, in most mass shooting situations, we need greater control. Okay, tell me what law you would pass that would have prevented this thing from happening. Uh, remember the, the kid in Michigan who shot up a class, uh, some of his classmates recently. You know, there, there weren't really laws, even, even the Sandy Hook, as horrific as that was, I don't know that any law that would have been on the book would have, I mean, he murdered his mother and busted open the locked cabinet where they had the, the rifles and the firearms. But this one is different because he was identified about a year ago to authorities after saying some really crazy stuff. And what happened? All the eggheads and experts, somebody did a psyche valve. So some egghead in a white lab coat said he's not really a threat to society. Okay. And oh, oh let's, I mean, I have no idea the school. I mean, he, being in New York state, I have a feeling he probably spent a lot of time on virtual school. So maybe not having live contact with other human beings, maybe teachers not being able to actually observe him. Yeah, maybe that was a negative thing. Maybe they weren't able to grow their concern that, oh, geez, he, he seems to be getting out there. Uh, could that have played a role in it? Okay. But if a red flag law would have been on the books, is it possible it might have prevented this? Possible. So I'll tell you what. I'm going to pause there for a second. I'm going to bring something else up, and then I'm going to tie the two together. In the month of May, we're 18 days into the month of May, in Chicago, and, and I believe what I'm about to say is relevant because 
I believe nine out of the 11 victims were black. Uh, two were, one, one was Asian, one was white. Uh, the, the point is the overwhelming supermajority of victims in Buffalo were black. And this guy openly espoused his racist evil intent. Put a pin in that for a second. In May of 2022, 20 black men have been killed in Chicago. Now, yes, I know, oh, Republican, conservative, you always run to how things are terrible are in Chicago. Okay, well, 20 black men were killed in Chicago in May of 2022. Now, you might be like, bitch, what, what, how are you going to tie these things together? I'll tell you what, politics, the art of the deal, art of the deal. Let's, ma- let's make a deal. Let's compromise. I'll sign on for red flag laws if you sign on that we can bring back stop, question, and frisk. That's my proposition. That is my proposition for how we could fix two problems at once. Yes. Uh, the, uh, the only problem is came to the table in this, you know, fake planet we're on having this conversation. You would have to give up a lot more than just red. You would have to submit to a lot more red flag. But yeah, I mean, it's an even swap, really. But right. I mean, the first rule, you, you, as much as people don't like that, um, it's, it's, it's effective. Pretty difficult to argue. I mean, take New York City under Giuliani, for example. It's probably right. the best one, right? I mean, I don't understand. They took a lot of illegal guns. If your goal is to get illegal guns off the street and prevent the killing of anyone, but if you're if you're you know playing identity politics and you only want to talk about preventing the killing of black people in the U.S. or whatever disaffected group you want to identify, nothing would be more effective than re-implementing stop, question, and frisk in every major metropolitan area in the United States. Period. Full stop. Well, it gets a lot of guns off the streets. Uh, yeah, it did. They actually had that in New Orleans uh, at one point for about. <laughs> I got to bring that up some other time because it went sideways real quick. Actually, one of my buddies is an expert on that because he was <laughs> in some of the litigation. But anyway, but no, it did work in New York. Uh, it's very effective. I know that it immediately pushes people's buttons because then the whole profiling thing comes out. But some of the stats many 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 people that were white were, were stopped and frisked and found right. they had guns white people have guns illegally too right. uh yes a lot many actually probably a lot more than anyone else because there's a lot of white people running around here but yeah i'm sorry i don't want to take all your, your gusto here but I so agree. and and in a closing thought with uh the buffalo shooter so Again, because everybody immediately had to draw into their political camps and you Republican, you support you. Watch this. Watch how easy it is to be consistent. What do I think should happen to this guy? I, I don't even think he should get the needle. I think he should be lined up against the wall, not even given a blindfold and shot. Not only that, I, I seriously think the way we could pay down some of our government debt would be to offer raffle tickets for people to be on the firing squad. Okay, this is kind of like the Louisville option. I I think people would pay good money to say, yeah, that guy, that scumbag, that kid, once he's found guilty in a court of law, which he pled not guilty, which I, I don't know how. You know what? He's actually mocking the justice system because he knows he's not getting the needle in New York State. Boy, if this were in Texas, I don't even know if he would have made it to the courthouse, okay, Yeah. if this were Texas. And if this were any sane society, his, his trial would last all of about five minutes. They'd show the live stream of the video and say, Jury, can you please deliberate? And the jury would say, we don't even need to go into the room. Guilty. And, and they should walk them right out back to a concrete wall that still has blood and brain matter from the previous person who was executed. And they should pump, turn them into Swiss cheese. I, I just, if you lived in a sane world, that's what would happen. Yeah, no, I agree. Have you heard of, I mean, did I, have you heard the Louisville option before, right? No. 
Oh, I had this on the show, the Louisville option. See, you must have missed one. That's okay. This is where um, you, uh, being is where I, I brought it up when the lady that was carjacked in, in New Orleans and her arm was ripped off. Right, the grandmother. Death. Yep. Then the family has a, has a choice. I can't believe you haven't heard this, but what a better time than now. So the family has a choice. They can either go along with the legal proceedings or one of them can step up and take a Louisville slugger. Okay, stop right there. It's on national television. It's your option, and it's the Louisville option. You get to meet the people that ripped your grandmother's arm off in a no-holds-barred 60-minute room, 60 seconds. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty much whatever, it. Whatever happens, happens. I, I, look, I'm all for that. I mean, I, I, I think um, – I, 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 I believe it was Edmund Burke or some other, some other uh, 17th or 18th century thinker once said something to the effect of nothing sharpens the mind like a noose. Yeah, um, yeah no, really. I, I, I would agree with that statement. Because There's right a lot before of crazy that thing, people. Yeah, a yeah, lot of crazies right. have said that. But yeah, right. I mean, right before that thing tightens up, I bet your mind is real focused on the next five seconds. So. And uh, and before you go, if I could just add on to capital punishment, I know there's sides to every argument here, but, you know, I understand you walk in the mailman, you're getting cucked, you kill him. All right. I don't think you should be put to death. If you get behind a wheel and you get drunk and you kill someone. OK, you're going to do a long time. Uh, I think that capital punishment should not just be handed out like Pringles. But in the instances just like this, like you referenced the guy in South Carolina, this is a slam dunk. You forfeit your right to live. It's right. over. You, and I think that a vast majority of the country would agree. And the people that don't, then we substitute. Okay, let me change this. Your mother was shot. And all of a sudden right. now they're a little more pro capital punishment. It's pretty easy. Well, and, and, you know, very interesting with the situation with uh, Charleston and the guy in Buffalo. It's just, it's so obvious. There, there's, there's no debate. Interestingly, this past weekend, I was block walking because we have some voting going on here in Texas. And I started talking to this one woman. I explained I was running for a partisan Republican position here at the very low level. And she goes, well, so let me I see you you're pro-life. Yep. So what do you think about, you know, women's right? And so we, had, we actually had a respectful discussion and she was more pro-choice. But she just like, like oh, I don't like late term. But what about the and I just I explained my position. I said, look, I don't I don't think you're a terrible person because we disagree. I'm just telling you my views. Anyway, so then eventually it came around because I asked, I said, well, part of the reason I'm pro-life, she goes, well, I mean, what makes you think you need to get involved? I said, I believe that that fetus is not fetus. I believe that unborn baby has a right to life. And I believe it's my obligation as a moral person to stand up for it. Just like I believe your children and her kids were kind of in the background. I said, if you did something horrible to them, I think society should take retribution against you and seek justice because society has an obligation to protect the most innocent among us. I said, for example, and I don't, I don't know why, but I happen to blurt this out. I said, I think rapists and child molesters should get the death penalty. She held her hand up and said, I agree. High five. Right. We high most five. of us would and agree. So, I, I like, agree as well. Here's somebody who's, who maybe votes Republican sometimes. But definitely is not like a full-throated right-wing member of the vast right-wing conspiracy. But she agreed, and and so I I'm convinced if if I if a if somebody ran on the platform of we are going to sign up rapists and child molesters for the death penalty, I think you, I I I think you could win elections on that platform. I really do. Yep. So yeah. I mean, you yeah, I, I, it's certainly not going to deter me from voting for you. I'll tell you that. All right. But so all right. Closing out, we are we are in election season here, so we're just going to talk about a couple election things real quick. 
several states had their primaries yesterday on Tuesday, Pennsylvania and North Carolina, most notably. In North Carolina, Madison Cawthorn, a Repu- young Republican, did not even make it out of his <laughs> He's Republican himself primary. himself in trouble. He is. And, and you know what it boils down to? And yes, he had Trump's endorsement, but you could tell Trump only endorsed him out of you know loyal loyalty because Madison was a pretty loyal Trumper during his brief time in Congress. The point is, he was a bad candidate. He's he he just illustrated all the reasons why you look at people in their early to mid twenties and say, especially men and say it's obvious your brain brain is not fully formed. The the male brain does not fully form until you're about twenty five. But he just illustrated over and over again. And it was nothing like, well, that's not criminal, but it's really weird behavior. Or it's really yeah, but it's odd. super hot, bro. Yeah. Top. <laughs> so it, it just illustrated that how just normal and decent a person you are has an effect. And the more normal, boring, bland guy won that primary, and he's likely going to go on to win the general election. Look, this is an example where I think the GOP internally weeded out a weak candidate which is not something you see on the other side. So action was, take, action was taken by voters in the Republican Party who said, you know what, this guy's just not cutting it. We, you know, we gave him a chance. He was the hot young new thing, but we're not, we're, we're not going to give him a chance to go back to Washington. Um, to his credit, he, he issued a very diplomatic statement saying he'll support uh, the guy who won the primary and he's all about how we can get Republicans elected in November. That's obviously because he wants to go work at some think tank or consulting firm in K Street, although I think he's going to have a harder time than he thinks. The other thing, and this is sort of a flip side of it, the guy who won the governor nomination uh, in Pennsylvania, he is going to have a hard time winning the general election. He is a diehard Trumper. He, he does not hide the fact that he was present at the rally, the January 6th rally. He did not enter the Capitol grounds. There's no evidence that he did that. But he was at the Stop the Steal election rally on January 6th. He's going to have a tough time in a Pennsylvania general election. There are going to be a lot of Pennsylvania Republicans who are going to be leery about voting for somebody like that. you got to keep in mind the average Pennsylvania Republican is not like a Texas or a Florida Republican. I'm with you. I I was up there, but I will tell you this. You need to keep in mind and not not to I'm not trying to, you know, raise you here. Actually, I am. I'm going to raise. Okay. You need to keep in mind how much they don't like the current Democrat Governor Wolf, who has made no friends in that state and did not exit on a high note. Will not. Correct. Right. But I the, read the, the Democrat who was nominated will come across as much more reasonable. And, and if he's at oh, all smart, do. he will tack to the center uh, and, and make it difficult for us to win win that governorship. Yeah, well. That we'll one see. is the Democrats to lose because of who the Republicans nominated. It's now the Democrats to lose. Doesn't mean they can't lose it. It's just it's theirs to lose. Well, it's usually uh, I find that more more often the case than not in the great state of Pennsylvania. Well, Tommy, anything you want to close with here? Uh, two weeks in counting or ten days in counting. Yes, the Top Gun. I'm keeping the Top theme music too. going until the uh, the sequel is out. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be incredible. But um, we can discuss that one as we get closer. You and I are actually going to have a good Top Gun bit uh, right there uh, before we kick this thing off. Anyway, well, thanks for jumping on the Sports Ended out there, pal. And we'll catch you next week. All right. Out here. Oh, yes. Jam that out, baby. We'll continue with the opening and closing of this show. Some classic Kenny Loggins, Top Gun. 
until the movie comes out, and then I have a great idea for the special ed. We had to move him out of the back, and we're going to have a different intro, a different ending. Things will change for the better. Special ed was good for about a year, though, at that ending. But not as good as the Danger Zone, baby. Thanks for joining the Sports Antelope today. Episode 100, Let Go of Your Nuts. Thanks to Bro Exotic for popping on here with Tommy Bench. Follow us at the Sports Antelope. Reach out, touch a brother, and tell somebody about the Sports Antelope today. Keep it real, Anadotions!